Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Oh yeah, baby. It's season three, episode five of the IonaHoops.com podcast, and we are three weeks out from Iona's season opener and are holding it to you, Penn. Buckle up. It's a glorious time of year. I've got you covered big time in this episode. This past weekend, we got a chance to see the team at Meet the Gales, and I'm going to share my takeaways regarding every player on the roster. What else? Well, my last few guests here on the pod all shared their thoughts about the MAC race, and now it's time for you to hear mine. I'll give you my projected standings as well as first team all MAC, player of the year, coach of the year, defensive player of the year, and rookie of the year. And as they say on game shows, and that's not all. We'll cap this episode with something I know some of you have been clamoring for, and that's my game-by-game game predictions for the Gales this year. I'm going to point out for the record that I have an outstanding history of picking Iona's final overall and MAC records over the years, including last year, when I nailed Iona's out-of-conference record and missed the league record by one game. So I'll take a walk through our full slate with my takes on every game, uh, leading up all the way to the MAC tournament. But first, let's take a walk through some Iona Iotas. Iona Iotas. Shh! Our secret scrimmage down at Columbia was yesterday, but I was able to use the Force to glean insights from this one. Yes, I am a Jedi. I've been hiding that from all of you. The scrimmage was set up like a regular 40-minute game, and Iona won big, real big, by 40-plus. The starters all played particularly well, as you'd expect in a game of that margin. Nelly, Clayton, Quinn, Barrick, Dennis. Um, and Brookshire and Davis also had solid contributions off the bench. Um, the Iona defense didn't really play well in the early going, it sounds like, uh, but uh, settled in to help pull away. The next secret scrimmage is at Hines on the 29th against Temple. May the force be with us again that day. Iona, Iona. The Max Preseason Award Show is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. on ESPN3. The league's going to announce its preseason poll, first, second, and third team, preseason All-Mac, and preseason Player of the Year for both men's and women's hoops. Our next episode will have some clips from the media portion of the event with comments from Rick Bettino, Rich Enser, and Billy Chambers. Can't wait to see how the Mac coaches view things for this upcoming season. Iona, Iona. It's Vegas, baby. Iona fans will have the chance to travel with the team to Sin City Thanksgiving weekend to see the Gales take on Santa Clara. A nice three-day three package has been put together, including charter flights to depart Friday and return Sunday of that weekend. Of course, the Gales and Santa Clara play on Saturday. And the package also includes two nights at MGM Grand and two cocktail receptions. The cost is $2,500 per person, and there are only 60 spots available, so let's get moving. If interested, hit up Jeff Martin at jmartin at iona.edu. It's all quiet on the recruiting front, so let's dive in with all that other stuff I talked about earlier. We're going to start off with my recap and takeaways from this weekend's Meet the Gales event. Well, as always with open practices and internal scrimmages, you have to take whatever you see with a grain of salt. But certainly, we could still form rough opinions, at least, regarding what we've seen. 
I'm going to talk in general terms here first with a couple obvious comments right out of the gate. The team, of course, looks quite big, quite fast, and quite athletic. Naturally, in a scrimmage, it always looks like the entire team's going to contribute, and we're going to go 12 deep, 13 deep, and all that. Well, we know Patino enough to know uh, that it's probably not going to happen. Um, we also know the game enough to know that it's probably not going to happen, as usually some of the guys elevate over the others. Um, I assume we'll see probably maybe 10, even up to 11 guys in a normal rotation early on. And that might even cut down, be cut down to more like eight or nine as this as we go later in the season. Who really knows? We'll have to see. It's really going to come uh, depend on the development of the new guys and how they uh, they gel with the current roster. Um, a couple quick notes, uh, overall notes. Uh, wasn't really blown away by either the three-point shooting or the free throw shooting. Uh, so those are things we're going to have to keep an eye on in my mind as the games get going for real. And as we know, we're going to be tested early and often throughout November and December. So this team is going to need to gel right away if they're going to even approach what we saw last non-conference season. So let's get into individual takeaways with the players now. And we're going to start with the returnees. Start with Nelly Jr. Joseph. He did a lot of Nelly things. He finished well at the rim. He was actually pretty darn good on the defensive end as well with some blocks and even some steals. Did not look particularly sharp from the line, which is something to monitor. He's almost certainly going to lead our team in free throw attempts this season. I mean, he's really got to hit 70% this year from the line. He has to. So we'll see how he does, but certainly he looked really, really sharp. Um, Walter Clayton Jr. pretty much did what you'd expect, was very good going to the basket. He drew a lot of contact, finished well around the basket. Did not much see much in the way of passing from him in general and he was only so-so from shooting from deep in this one. Um, he also didn't appear to do too much on the defensive end, and this, again, is going to be critical to this team's success. He must do a better job preventing opponents' dribble drive this season on the whole, or the whole thing uh, breaks down on that end of the floor, and we saw that, again, uh, a lot in February and March last year. Um, Barrick John Luis was Barrick. Uh, he had steals, he had blocks, a couple plays on offense around the basket in terms of tip-ins, tip uh, you guys know how I feel about him by now and how his reduced minutes down the stretch last year impacted this team in my mind. Uh, I'm hopeful he plays starter minutes this year, and that may depend on the development of the younger guys as we go, but really, he changes the game on the defensive end, and I hope he plays a whole lot. Uh, Quinn Slezinski seemed to be a bit more aggressive on both ends and even on the glass, um, so I was happy to see that. Not sure if he, how well he did defensively on the whole, but he was very good on the offensive end. Um, he needs to get a little more Van Eyck-ish on both ends in my mind in terms of the way he passes on offense and finds open guys and also just, again, how he holds up defensively. Um, but he looked, generally looked smooth out there, com comfortable and confident out there today. Um, if he's going to play the four, uh, and I think he is, uh, certainly, then I think Barrett needs to be paired with him at the three in my mind. I think that would be a nice pairing to kind of go with and both seem to project as starters. So we'll see how that evolves. Ashima was okay today. Uh, of course, he matched up against Nelly. He's only going to look so good, uh, but he's definitely more comfortable, appears healthy, something that's really held up his development uh, a bit over the past couple of years. It just feels like his game is going to make that some, make that jump this year, just that where he just becomes something a little different. Um, didn't really see much of that during this particular outing today to suggest that it's definitely going to happen. But, you know, I think we all just feel like he's just right there from becoming a really, really strong player. Um, so we'll be curious to see how he does. Um, and uh, Parker Weiss, they're talking about a kid who knows his role. Um, he's going to continue to see minutes, especially early on in the season, in my mind. 
as the newer guys and the younger and the younger guys in general just settle in. He actually looked pretty comfortable shooting the three today. And if he can make a couple more than last year, then it really actually justifies him being out there a little more because the rest of his overall game is actually good enough to see the floor. It's just that he never really looked to shoot last year. And it, so it's almost like playing, you know, four and five on that end. Um, so let's see if he looks to shoot more when he does get minutes this year. All right, let's shift to the new guys. We're going to start with Sadiko Ayo. As we know, uh, he's had a, he had injured his right knee quite a little ways back, um, did not participate. But good news, uh, Rick Pitino said he's expected to rejoin the team in two weeks. So that would give him a little bit of window there to uh, to get into playing shape uh, in time for the season opener. Um, I would expect a slow start from him this year. Uh, he obviously has been held back from, from his injury in terms of learning the system and everything else. So um, we're going to have to just wait and see before we actually can see what he really, really can do. Cruz Davis uh, showed some flashes yesterday for sure. He made shots, defended pretty well, I thought. Uh, Patino got on him a couple times for giving up uh, taking an open three and going to the basket instead of taking a tougher two. Um, so we'll see if he matures a little more, gets a little more com confident in an outside shot uh, as as the time progresses this year. Um, he does definitely feel like he has a nice all-around game. It should be a nice piece for us off the bench uh, early, early going for sure. Silas Sunday has now lost 100 pounds, according to Patino. Um, he actually did some nice things out there too. He was often paired in a true Twin Towers look with Shima. Um, so two seven-footers out there. How many mid-majors can do that? Um, definitely had a nice touch around the basket, uh, did some good things. But I also think he's uh, definitely the third center on this roster. Um, again, unless for some reason, like if Nelly goes out, he likes to go Twin Towers and wants to put them both in there to have more size and rebounding and all of that. Um, he's going to need to learn to be more aggressive. Uh, he's a typical freshman in that regard. Um, and he will learn that as he ages um, and his skills become even better. It's going to be fun to watch him mature in the coming years. I think he actually, even by next year, could be a true standout for this team. Dennis Jenkins is everything we hope for. He's the fastest player on the roster and outside of Barrett, perhaps the most athletic. Um, he was good on the defensive end, got to the basketball on offense, did not shoot a ton of threes, but made what he did shoot. Um, he'll be an excellent compliment to Clayton and I hope I honestly think he has all Mac potential if all breaks right for him this year so we'll see Anton Brookshire did some good things as well probably the smallest of the guards uh, but he performed well within himself wasn't over the top flash or anything like that but good you know didn't do anything wrong either um, I think he's uh, going to be a nice piece again off the bench uh, with Davis to, to spell the starters Keith or Florence had a couple nice moments in the paint but uh Maybe a little bit of an undersized four and not doesn't have the skill set really to be a three. If I had to guess, he's probably the least likely to earn significant minutes this, this season among the newer frontcourt players. Not because he did anything wrong or did anything bad or just well, didn't look good. I just don't think he impacted the game much at either end. So it's hard to see him really cracking that uh, rotation. And I'm going to end with perhaps the guy who maybe impressed me the most of the newcomers outside of Jenkins, and that's Michael Jefferson. High IQ, played within himself, made shots, including threes, had a couple nice passes, did some good things defensively. Probably going to end up backing up either Barrick at the three or Quinn at the four, maybe a little bit of both, who knows. But really, I was impressed. He's a nice player and a pleasant surprise, and I think he's somebody who's going to be part of this rotation for sure. So that's everyone. And one thing I liked about the scrimmage is that there were three reps out there, and they call things in true game-type conditions. So touch fouls, travels. Everything else were called true, which 
I really don't recall seeing too often in past scrimmages. They were just, you know, offensive showcases. Uh, but hey, refs or not, this team has tons of talent and athleticism and size. But can they get enough defense on the perimeter? Can they make free throws? Can they get to a decent three-point shooting percentage as a team? These are the things that failed them down the stretch last season. And these are the things that will determine how good they're going to be this season. The pieces are there. But can Patino put it all together and get them peaking come March? Time will tell. All right. Now that we've covered that, it's time to switch gears to my Mac preview. We all know the Mac is one of the most entertaining mid-major leagues in the country in terms of parity and expecting the unexpected from the random regular season upset to a team reaching the Elite Eight. I don't anticipate anything different this season. Well, maybe not the Elite Eight part. Uh, and in my mind, things are going to get awfully bunched in the middle, as always, in this league. So let's dive in. Let's start with number 11, and that's Marist. Woof. I know that's foxes, but hey, woof. The whole team transferred out from last year, and it's hard to gauge the quality of what's been brought in to replace them. And the non-conference late's not going to help them in any way, as it's one of the weakest I've ever seen. It's like high school level. Just not expecting much here from at all from foxes. At 10th, I have Canisius. I like Jordan Henderson and Jacko Fritz, but there's just really not much else really there to beyond that to expect anything beyond a pig finish. And Reggie Witherspoon really doesn't have a history of surprising us with great coaching in this league. We move to ninth, and that takes us to Niagara. The Marcus Hammond show is finally over in Lewiston. The purpose will be more balanced, but there's just no star power to make them a serious threat to escape the pig, in my mind. Number eight, I have St. Peter's. This is the only program in the country that simply has no prayer of achieving even close to what they did a year ago and not even any near anything near an expectation of achieving such. And it's not an insult, of course. That Elite Eight run is the single greatest accomplishment in MAC history. I don't think anybody can say otherwise. The Peacocks lost a ton to transfer after Shaw bailed for Seton Hall. But new coach Bashir Mason, who did a heck of a lot of winning at Wagner, brought in some proven D1 talent. Honestly, eight feels low to me. Um, but if things, and, and if things fall right, St. Peter's can definitely escape the, the pig, but for now, I'm going to leave them at eight. Number seven, seven, we have Mount St. Mary's. Okay, I'm giving the Mountaineers some love here for one reason and one reason only. It just seems that in MAC history, teams that have come into the league have performed well in their first seasons. I was actually going to put them higher than this originally, and I would not be shocked if they sneak into the top five. They do have some good pieces, led by guard Jalen Benjamin. At number six, we have Quinnipiac. Lots of hype a half hour from me in Hamden, Connecticut, but we've been down this road before. Baker Dunleavy is a good recruiter. He's actually a really good recruiter, but he just hasn't gotten the talent to translate to a high Mac finish, and I'm not willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here, um, especially with just not a lot proven in the paint uh, to, uh, to replace, uh, replace uh, recent departures and losses. Baker's teams just generally don't defend there actually seems to be enough offense in the MAC this year to keep the Bobcats from being anything more than a threat to crack the top five. 
Number five is Manhattan. Here we go again. The Jaspers are loaded on paper. But can Steve Maziello translate that to victories? Having one of the best two or three players in the league and Jose Perez won't hurt his chances. And neither will having Ant Nelson returning in the addition of Hofstra transfer Omar Saviero. Let's see if the Jaspers can indeed crack the top five like so many have predicted. Number four, we've got Fairfield. I was high on the Stags last year and it burned me. But maybe they were just a year away. Maybe. I don't know. I really like Jake Wojcik. And Supreme Cook is one of the best bigs in the league that doesn't have a ton of great bigs. Let's face it, it's not. How good transfers Khalid Fields from Bowling Green and Bryson Goodine from Providence, how good they really turn out to be, will likely determine whether they can hit these higher expectations this year. Number three <laughs> is Sienna. All right, it's really good that I don't pay for studio time to record this podcast because this is literally the eighth take now that I'm trying to do this oh, without laughing. Um, I don't know why I'm finding it so funny that I've seen a third. <laughs> All right, I had to stop that one to continue another take. So this is really number nine. Anyway, uh, this is the first time it's ever happened. This is and this is true amateurism here on this podcast uh, that I've had to take nine takes just to talk about Sienna. Finishing third. I don't get it. Anyway. All right. So anyway, it's funny because I don't like karma. You guys all know that. But he wins. He simply wins. Every year we look at this roster and we're like, ew. Oh. And then you look up and he's got the Saints in the thick of the league race anyway. And now he has one of my, again, ew, favorite players in the league in uh, Jamie McCollum. With him an effective big Jackson Stormo back, that's a good start. Um, and now we'll see on the health of a couple other guys on that roster that can really shape this team into a really serious threat. See, I don't hate Sienna. It was scale force, I swear. All right, we're going to try this again. Number two, I have Ryder. I was very high on Ryder last year. Thank you. I know, I know. And they didn't prove me right until the very worst possible time in the Matt quarters against uh, my Iona Gales. I've joked all off season that I would pick them first entering this year, but this year we'll have to, this was going to have to do for you numbskulls. Dwight Murray is one of the top three players in the league and Alan Powell's no joke either. And they return other parts from last year and also bring in transfers, Tariq Ingram from Wake Forest and Alan Bertrand from URI. Both of these guys could be impact players in this league. Ryder's the real deal, folks. I would be stunned, stunned if they don't finish in the top three. And number one, so Iona's been like a unanimous pick to finish first everywhere and given the talent returning and the talent coming in, as well as that, you know, guy on the bench coaching, how can I possibly not pick Iona first here on, Iona, on the IonaHoops.com podcast? But I will say this, Iona won this league by three games last year, swept the number two team, St. Peter's, and I don't have to tell you how the Peacocks took advantage of the Gales' early exit in Atlantic City. But well, by March, they weren't the best team in the MAC, and weren't even the second best team. So we'll put that away now and look ahead instead. And I see Ryder right there with Iona. And if Sienna is healthy, the Saints will not be far off. And look at those other three teams, Fairfield, Manhattan, and Quinney. All three have good rosters with lots of talent, but coaches need to prove they can do something with good rosters and lots of talent. And odds are one of them finally will and will be a threat as well. This will not be a cakewalk for Iona, whom I do not expect to win this league by three games again, by any means. 
But no matter where they finish, this team will need to be playing top shelf defense come February, March, if we're going to return to the NCAA tournament. All right, and some individual awards to wrap up this segment. Player of the year, I'm going to go with Nelly Jr. Joseph. I mean, a lot of you people are up there with some other people mentioned that I've talked about already in this in this episode. Um, I'm going to go with Nelly. Um, Often the MAC takes the best player from the best team, so I I, I don't think anybody's really going to have too much of an issue with it. So I'm going to go with Nelly here. Uh, the rest of the first team will be Jose Perez, uh, Dwight Murray, Javier McCollum, and Supreme Cook. Maybe a little bit of a slight surprise on that last one. Coach of the year will be Rick Pitino if, if Iona wins this game by this league by a minimum of two games. Probably maybe he needs to win by three. Otherwise, it's either going to go to Baggett or Karn. That's my feeling on that, depending on how close they finish to Iona. Defensive player of the year. Publications are picking Nelly to win this award because, let's face it, he, I think he's the highest returning block rate in the league and all of that. He's not even the best defensive player in Iona, so I don't get it. Defensive player of the year is Barrett. And if he doesn't win it, something's really, really wrong. Okay, uh, newcomer of the year. Um, there's so many potential candidates. Uh, I'm not even going to pick a, a, one guy. Um, I'm going to take an approach that seems to work, have worked in the past. I'm going to take one of Marist's guys. Don't even know somebody from Marist because they've lost so much. Odds are one of these guys will come in and average like 12 points a game. So... Uh, somebody from Marist is going to be the new, newcomer of the year in the MAC. Sixth man, I'm going to go with Oz Shima. How about that? Um, I don't think he's going to crack our starting five. Um, he's going to be one of those first couple guys off the bench, and I think he's going to play a big role. I think uh, we're, you know, he's going to be surprised. I don't know how much he'll play as much with Nelly as some Iona fans are hoping, but I think he's still going to have an impactful role coming in. He'll play a lot of time. He's going to make that jump that I think a lot of Iona fans have been hoping to see. So. Six man, Ozshima. How about that for a pick? And now that we've covered what I think of the Mac, let's cover what I think of the Iona Gales season. But first, some history for those of you who have not known me for too long or even fairly new to the IonaHoops.com message board. I've been doing game by game predictions on Iona seasons for years and years and years and years. And now, in terms of picking the team's record, both non conference and in league, most of the time, I've been pretty close to the mark. Eh, a few exceptions here and there. I'm not Nostradamus, people. Calm down. But the game-by-game -game picks, eh, not so much. I mean, saying I was accurate, quote-unquote, with a record, but then getting results from two games flip-flop to get the accurate record is still game getting games wrong, is it not? <clears throat> so I deemed getting the granular, that granular necessary a couple years back. It was met with quite a bit of backlash on the Anahoops.com message board. So after not doing it for a couple years... They're back. My game, my game predictions. I am still going to maintain that the records are the important thing here. If I pick Iona to lose at Niagara, but win at Canisius and the reverse happens, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? No, it does not. Sheesh, this was a debate on the boards. It's all in fun, people. I honestly don't care if I get individual games wrong. Games wrong. I'd rather be on or close to the overall league records that I pick. But all of that said, <clears throat> it's time to bring the pain. Here they are my game-by-game -game projections for this year. All right, season opener, November 7th against at home against Penn. Penn is an Ivy contender. 
let's face they're going to be one of the favorites in the league. So the guys are going to be tested. But this is not where Iona's home on being streak ends. Starting off from 1-0. November 11th at Hofstra. Pride lost some horses. But this is a true road game in, in non-conference rarity in the Patino era, it seems like. We're going to lose this one. 1-1. One one. November 18th, Vermont at Mohegan. <clears throat> the Catamounts are actually going to be missing a key player to injury. So I think the Gales are going to win this one. 2-1 record. November 26th, Santa Clara and Vegas. Per Haslametric, Santa Clara is one of five programs in the country that has improved its rating each of the past five seasons. And this is a long way to go for one game. I think we lose two and two. December 2nd versus Niagara opening up Mac play at home. No Hammond, no problem. Win going three and two, one and zero in the Mac. December 4th versus Canisius. Again, per Haslametrics, Canisius is one of the five programs that has gotten worse each of the past five seasons. Spoon is on the hot seat. It's a win, 4-2, and 2-0. Two, two and oh. December 6th at home versus St. Louis. Iona it will desperately need a marquee win to make some noise nationally. This will be it. Win, 5-2, and 2-0 two, two and oh in the back. December 11th, St. Bonaventure at Barclays. Was any team destroyed by as Mustard St. Bonaventure win six and two, two and zero record. December thirteenth, Princeton at Keene University. Strange neutral site location to play a pretty good team, and there's going to be more Tiger fans there than Gale fans. Feels like a letdown game to me. Loss six and three, two and zero in the MAC. December 18th at New Mexico, one of the toughest games on the schedule. Loss, 6-4, 2-0 in the MAC. December 22nd, SMU in Hawaii, first round of that tournament. Will the Mustangs be pissed we stole Tyson Jolly? Sure, why not? Loss, 6-5, 2-0. The 23rd, December 23rd, Utah State or Seattle in Hawaii. With the L versus SMU, we're going to figure we're going to see Seattle here and win seven and five. <clears throat> Christmas. George Washington, Washington State, Pepperdine or Hawaii in Hawaii in what would be the fifth place game. Gales are going to be settled in by now. Comfortable. No more jet lag. Anything like that. It's a W regardless of the opponent. Eight and five. Two and oh. Happy New Year. January 1st versus St. Peter's at home. This ain't the Elite Eight bunch. Win, 9-5, 3-0. January 6th at Marist. The Foxes lost insane amount of, of talent to... Call to win, 10-5, 4-0. January 8th at Quinnipiac. This is the beginning of a tough stretch. Loss, 10-6, 4-1. January 13th versus Fairfield. Hines is kind. Win, 11-6, 5-1. January 13th versus Ryder. Hines is kind, part two. Win, 12-6, 6-1. January 20th at Manhattan. We won't win this game unless Barrick is on Perez for like 40 minutes straight. Loss, 12-7, 6-2. January 27th at Siena. Let's face it, this is Siena's Super Bowl and even more so for their fans. Loss, 12-8, 6-3. January 29th versus Quinnipiac. 
Payback to Baker's Boys, win 13-8, 7-3. February 3rd versus Mount St. Mary's, welcome to the Mac, 14-8, 8-3. February 5th at Fairfield, Stag's new arena is going to be rocking for this one. Loss, 14-9, 8-4. February 10th at Canisius, the loss to the Stags is going to refocus the Gales for the Buffalo trip in the stretch run. Win, 15-9, 9-4. It's February 12th at Niagara. See above. Same same reasoning. Win 16 and 9, 10 and 4. Uh, 17th, February 17th versus Manhattan. No sweep for Maziello. Win 17 and 9, 11 and 4. February 19th at St. Peter's. Bash Mason will have the Cox good soon, but not just yet. Win 18 and 9, 12 and 4. February 24th at Mount St. Mary's. First visit down there. Win 19 and 9, 13 and 4. February 26th at home versus Siena. Let's do harm to Carm. Win 20 and 9, 14 and 4. March 2nd. It's time, people. It's March versus Maris. Let's get those subs some run. Win 21 and 9, 15 and 4. March 4th at Ryder. I'll say it. This one could have first place on the line. Loss, 21 and 10, 15 and five. And then the Mac tourney opens Tuesday, March 7th and runs to Saturday, March 11th. So there you have it. I have the Gales going 21 and 10 overall and 15 and five in the Mac. Now, if you take a peek at DanHoops.com message board, you're gonna see some loftier projections than that. Maybe much loftier. And some of those folks will not be happy with my takes. Sorry, dudes, but I have the power of objectivity and I have the microphone and money. Start your own podcast if you have a problem. And I think the road for the non-conference slate in particular is going to be on the bumpy side. This team is younger than last year and will not have had the advantage of playing together since August, like last year. But I also think this team will be in a better place mentally come March in Atlantic City, when honestly is going to be looked at as a must-win setting for Rick Pitino. As odd as that sounds, given his career and given that he's at Iona. Yep. Yeah, I know. He's a Hall of Famer, and he's one of the greatest basketball minds in the history of the universe. But two straight seasons as a one seed, ending with an upset in Jersey, will not sit well. Iona fans are a spoiled lot. This I cannot deny, as I am among them in that regard. And if Iona is the one seed, Gale Nation will go into the tourney expecting to win because that's what we know. And that's what Tim Cluis did all those years in a row. (laughs) Will it happen? I mean, hey, I have no reason to expect that we won't win the tourney, just like all of our Iona fans. But yeah, some Iona fans are thinking much loftier than I am during the season itself. Some people are thinking 25 wins or more, more like 17 or more conference wins, total domination. I just don't see that. But that doesn't mean I don't think we will win in March. I do think we will win in March. I just think the ride to get there was going to have more bumps. That's all. So fire away on the board and on Twitter with your feedback and with your own predictions. It's always fun to see how everyone views these things. Oof. It's a lot of work not having guests. I hope you guys enjoyed my extensive solo preview of the Mac. Don't worry, we've got lots of guests moving forward. And would you believe in our next episode, we'll be previewing our season opener. Catch you then. Go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. 
This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.